before we start. So Proverbs chapter 27, it says, uh, 27 verse 1, it says, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. That is a, um, a proverb that I think has stuck in my head, um, especially with the past year that we, we've had. I don't know if that proverb has been recalled in your own minds, but it definitely has in my mind. And it's gotten me into the habit of everything I say, I will say, Lord willing. So I will do this and wait a minute, last year, Lord willing. There are so many different uh, plans that were changed. Um, and that proverb speaks a truth, and it's a truth that we now know because of the experiences we've had. Um, how many people say, Lord willing, more than they used to say it? Yeah, I definitely have changed because of that. Um, so that's kind of a preview of what I want to talk about. I want to talk about Proverbs today. So we looked at one proverb just now that um, basically I think it's going to be etched in my head perhaps my whole life. Um, it's a good proverb to remember. It's a, it's a humbling proverb um, to know that we don't even know what tomorrow will bring, never mind being able to control what, what's going to happen in our lives. Um, so when, when I was asked if I could um, share something, I thought of, okay, what am I studying and what am I in and what am I benefiting from? And that has been Proverbs. Um, more recently, but also since the beginning of, of my faith, I've always been drawn towards, towards the Proverbs. So I thought I could perhaps encourage everyone here today if I could sell the Proverbs to you to put it in that way. So I guess I'm going to ask first, so if I see my, the effectiveness of my sales, how many people read Proverbs regularly today? How many people regularly read the Proverbs? Wow. Praise God. So there's, there's, there's some that regularly read it. Um, it, it can be a habit. And I, I hope that maybe you're, you're encouraged to, to read it more or have other people read it as well. Um, when I think about the Proverbs, I think of it as like a masterpiece. The complexity um, in, in the way it was written, who it was written by. Um, if you can call anyone a genius, I guess you can call Solomon a genius. Um, and, but more importantly, we know that it's part of the Bible. It's inspired by God. But when you think of books inspired by God, you, you also know if you read Mark, it's different than when you read Luke because the Holy Spirit inspired the, the person in their style to, to write what they wrote. Luke wrote an orderly account because of his personality and, and his skill. Well, if you put that same idea into who wrote Proverbs or most of Proverbs, then that's pretty impressive. The wisest man besides the Lord. Um, so a question, um, another question, 
Who can tell me what a proverb is? What is a proverb? Pete. I think it's a wise saying. That's a good, that's a concise definition. That's a good, that's a very good definition. A wise saying. I think in our house we often read proverbs and we call them nuggets of wisdom. So, um, there's other definitions. Um, I looked in the MacArthur commentary. He says, Proverbs are simple moral statements or illustrations that highlight and teach fundamental realities about life. Because the Proverbs are very broad in, in what they teach. Very broad. Every aspect of life. Uh, Wearsby, uh, a commentary I have, he said, Proverbs are pithy statements that summarize a few choice words, oh, in a few choice words, practical truths relating to some aspect in everyday life. Those are longer definitions, but they kind of cover, cover more. Um, and there was another author who said, a proverb is a short sentence based on long experience, which I like that one. Um, so proverbs... Uh, we could say that they're brief, they're pictorial, they're easy to memorize, um, they're easy to recall, and they're easy to share. So I, I just love that. Um, so because of that, we probably have a lot of proverbs that we already know. Um, who can tell me some, some proverbs that you can just recall? Some famous proverbs, some proverbs that, that you've internalized, that you can recall. Is this 1717? Hold on. Iron sharpens iron. Um, so we might not know the verse number, right? But we know the saying. So the verse numbers are not inspired by God. So that's not... <laughs> Right? If you, yeah, because I'm on 27, I just flipped it over. It's 27, 17. Close. But it's not, it's not, that's not what's important. The, the truth in that is what's important. So that's, that's a famous one. How about another one? Three, five, and six. Did you have that one? <laughs> okay, so how many, how many of the youth here know that one? I think they used to sing it, I'm pretty sure. You still sing it? Yeah. What you were saying about not necessarily knowing where a proverb might be, I think it's very true, and that's my experience as well. But what I have found is that if I know it's in the Proverbs, it's not that long of a book. As I've used a highlighter, I can say, well, I think it's around this, and I will find it. And oftentimes, I'll find something else as well. Mm. Yeah. Or with a smartphone, you search for the phrase, yeah. and you got it. Um, yeah, any, any other ones? Yeah, depends on the, it's just an order of words. But you got that, you have that truth, and it's internalized, and you can bring it up. And it instructs you, right? Because we know it. It instructs our hearts with that, that um, nugget of wisdom. Um, 
Anyone else? Neil's got one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get off my property. <laughs> yeah. So that's a reminder that that has guarded you against conflict. So that's great. Another good one. Do you have one? Another one. Hmm. Yeah, that's another one. Jess. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a there's a lot of them. One that I I um, rem always reminded tell my kids about is what is it? He who walks with the wise will be wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. That's thirteen twenty wanting them to make sure that they're um, choosing friends wisely. And, and even myself, who am I spending my time with? And it's just, they, they just instruct us. You have, a, you have one, Austin? Yeah. Yeah. I feel smarter when I'm not saying anything because of that one. <laughs> What? Maricela. Whom the Lord loved, he rebukes. Yeah. There's so many. There's so many. Um, so they're easy to remember, and it's shown in the testimony of you guys being able to recall those. And the more I think we can remember, the more we can recall, the more we're instructed by God's word. So that's, that's one reason why I want to encourage us to, to be reading Proverbs regularly and to be thinking about them. Uh, some of them aren't as easy to understand right off, like in a first reading. A lot of them are concise and easy, but a, a lot of them also take further thought. Um, anyway, so... Kind of backwards, I wanted to get some discussion going with Proverbs, but kind of going back, I want to talk and look at who the author of Proverbs was. Um, so if you look at the book as a whole, most of Proverbs was written by Solomon, but you can't say they're all written by Solomon because that wouldn't be true. Um, chapters 1 through 24 are written by Solomon. Chapters 25 to 29 um, are written, copied by King Hezekiah, but they're, um, what would you say? But they're Solomon's. So they're Solomon's Proverbs copied by King Hezekiah. And then chapter 30, you have King Agur. I don't know if I pronounced that right. And then the last chapter, you have uh, the mule. But some commentators say the mule may be Solomon. Um, but it's not, it's not known who, who Lemuel is. I heard one commentator saying that Lemuel was a, was a Gentile even. But that's, that's just conjecture. I don't know. 
Um, so because Solomon is, is the author of the majority of it, I wanted to look at some scripture uh, regarding Solomon. So can someone read for me? We're going to look at 1 Kings is where you find a lot about Solomon. So 1 Kings chapter 3. And I would like somebody to please read verses 3 to 12. And this is the story of Solomon, Solomon's wisdom. Okay. So 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 3 to 12. Any volunteers? Brian, thank you. Now Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of his father David, except he sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. The king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. Solomon offered a thousand bird offerings on that altar. In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream at night, and God said, Ask what you wish me to give you. Then Solomon said, You have shown great loving kindness to your servant David, my father, according as he walked before you in truth and righteousness and uprightness of heart toward you. And you have reserved for him this great loving kindness that you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. Yet I am but a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. Your servant is in the midst of your people, which you have chosen, the great people, who are too many to be numbered or counted. So give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, to discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of you? It was pleasing in the sight of the Lord that Solomon had asked, to uh, 13, he said? To 12. It was pleasing in the sight of the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. God said to him, Because you have asked this thing, and have not asked for yourself long life, nor have asked riches for yourself, nor have you asked for the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself discernment to understand justice. Behold, I have done according to your words. Behold, I have given you a wise and discerning heart, so that there has been no one like you before you, nor shall one like you arise after you. Okay, thank you, Brian. So you could see the, uh, the request of Solomon in verse 9. So give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, to discern between good and evil. To discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? Um, and then if we flip the page over to... Chapter 4, if somebody could read verses 29 to 34, a slightly smaller section. This is what, where it describes how God blessed him. 29 to 34 in chapter 4. Dave, thank you. And God gave Solomon wisdom and very great discernment and breadth of mind, like the sand that is on the seashore. Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the all the 
Singh was known in all the surrounding nations. He also spoke 3,000 proverbs and his songs were in 1,005. Mm. He spoke of trees from the cedar that is in Lebanon, even to the hyssop that grows on the wall. He spoke also of animals and birds and creeping things and fish. Men came from all people to hear the wisdom of Solomon and all the kings of the earth yeah so wow that that's a great description of his it says his great discernment and breath of mind um, reading that I, I wonder who Ethan the Etherthite and Herman Cockle and Dart I, I was reading I wonder who they were um, but an interesting thing that it mentioned there it says he spoke 3,000 proverbs um, if you look it up uh, the MacArthur commentary is good because it has a lot of stats. In the Proverbs that we have, there's only 513. Some of them are one-liner. Some of them are longer. There's longer bits. So there's 513. So it's just interesting that he had more, but in the Holy Spirit's choosing, we have these 513. Um, and I also makes me wonder about the songs. What? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. So Danny said there's, he had a thousand five songs, but we only have one. <laughs> That's interesting. The greatest said. So I'd have to look through them, but I think some of the songs are written by Solomon. Does anyone know that? I know David wrote a lot of psalms. Does Solomon have psalms in, the, in our book of psalms? Asap, Moses, David. Solomon have any? I don't know. Oh. Okay. There are a number of psalms that are not attributed to any writer. Yeah. And so, I mean, I wouldn't camp out on this or die on this hill, but some of them could be Maybe. Maybe. Thank you, Susan. I will camp out on that. <laughs> so now you're ready to camp. Peace ready to camp now. <laughs> what number was it? 127? Did you say 127? Yes. I love that song. Now it's, I know it's of Solomon. See, we've learned something this morning. We've learned that if we've learned anything. <laughs> Psalm 127 is of Solomon. Okay. Um, so looking at the, the great wisdom that God gave him, um, I kind of mentioned this when I, when I opened up, when I was talking about Mark and Luke, just the, the wisdom that he had in to know that he was the author. It, there's kind of a, um, I don't know if you'd call it a sadness, that I don't know the Hebrew. Because I can imagine if we could read the original autographs of how Solomon wrote in Hebrew, there's probably more depth 
that, and I, I know there are scholars that can. Um, there's probably more depth. But even without that, if you read the, the, the Proverbs, they're beautiful. They're, there's so much wisdom in them. Not just wisdom in the truths, but wisdom in, in, in how he expresses it, the, the devices that he uses. And it benefits us because it helps us to remember it. So they're a blessing. And another thing I thought about. So when you read the history of Solomon, and, and it's amazing to think about how great of a king he was and all the things he accomplished, the, the great house that he made, the temple that he made, how much gold and, and timber and all these spices and all these things that he had. All those things, where are they today? Like, I always think it's such a shame. I wish I could see Solomon's uh, temple. I wish I could have seen, like, how everything worked in, his, in the governance that he had when he was the leader of Israel. But all those things are gone. But we do have the Proverbs. So that's a, that's a treasure that we can uh, appreciate. So that, that was the author of Proverbs. Um, I want to look now to the purpose. So why, why do we have Proverbs? What was the purpose of Proverbs? Um, and we're going to look in, in Proverbs to find that. So if we want to turn to Proverbs chapter 1. So this is the purpose according to Solomon, who is the author of most of Proverbs. But I believe the introduction here could tell us the purpose of the whole book. Um, so does anyone want to read Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 6? I want to stop short of 7. Verses 1 through 6. Brandon, thank you. Okay, yeah. So the, the Proverbs were to give wisdom, give instruction, to give insight, um, to make, make people wise, to give us wisdom. Um, in reading through the Proverbs, some scholars also see evidence for kind of a particular use to it. Um, one, one man wrote, Proverbs is a collection of collections of materials designed initially for the use by the young men of Israel's society who are being groomed for positions of leadership. So that does make sense in the fact that Solomon is always talking to sons. Um, and his sons were, they did become kings and, and leaders of Israel. Um, but I don't want to say that that was the, the purpose of, of Proverbs. Proverbs do have that, but Proverbs also speak to the whole person and speak to, to all, all members of society. Um, 
But going back to the, the particular use, the evidence that you can find for that, there's, there's some proverbs that are maybe more difficult to relate to. The proverbs that kind of deal with uh, matters of the court or dealing with kings. Um, some examples, if you guys can turn to, I had them where I put them. Okay. Um, Proverbs 23. So those people of those positions would, would find these Proverbs very useful and, and wisdom that they would need as delegates to other countries in, in dealing with matters in the king's court, etc. So Proverbs 23, 1 to 8. I'll read this one. Okay. When you sit down to eat with a ruler, how many people are going to be doing that soon? <laughs> When you sit down to eat with a ruler, observe carefully what is before you and put a knife to your throat. If you are given to appetite, do not desire his delicacies, for they are deceptive food. Do not toil to acquire wealth. Well, this, this can, we can draw principles out of all of this. I don't want to shut it off, but I think I'm just trying to say that there's evidence that they were geared toward specific people. Um, when your eyes light on it, it is gone, for suddenly it sprouts wings, flying like an eagle toward heaven. Do not eat the bread of a man who is stingy. Do not desire his delicacies, for he is like one who is in, inwardly calculating. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. You will vomit up the morsels that you have eaten and waste your pleasant words. Um, so what I, why, what I imagine is... Maybe it's because of my time abroad and in time dealing with business in, in Asian countries. But I would go and visit a, co a customer and they'd have this whole big, like, we're going to go to the restaurant. They have these whole big sprawls. And there was always this, there's Chinese hospitality, but there's always, I think, motivation in, in they want to be on my good side so that I give them good prices. Um, and I can imagine in dealing with it, politics or let's say a, a leader of the country going to visit another country and they, they, they just give him the red carpet and they give him all this stuff and there's motivation behind that. And he's warning them, if you have appetite, um, Proverbs also warn about bribery, taking gifts, all this stuff. These are things that would give wisdom to leadership in times where they're going to have a risk to, to sin against God to sin against their country. Um, so the, these, are, these are principles that maybe we don't relate to as much, but they bring evidence for what these scholars are saying, how uh, Proverbs were for bringing up leadership, teaching leadership. There's another one I thought was really interesting that I can relate to. I, don't, I wanted to see if anyone else relate, how well you guys relate to it. So uh, turn the page to chapter 25. So chapter 25, verse 6 and 7. Yeah. So 6 and 7 says, Do not put yourself forward in the king's presence or stand in the place of the great. For it is better to be told, come up here, than to be put lower in the presence of a noble. And I know this can teach humility to be, to be humble, but you can see the context of what this says. And I can really relate that because of 
the traditional culture in China, when you go to a restaurant, you don't just sit where you want. There's like a hierarchy of seats. So the host sits here, and on his right, and this kind of reminds me of like on the right hand, on his right is the honor guest, and on his left is the, the second honor guest. And it's always a round table. And right straight forward is the kind of like the co-pilot host, I don't know, the host and the co-host. And then it, as close as you are to that guy, that's like the hierarchy of, of uh, importance. And I remember when I didn't know anything, I would just go in and sit where I wanted, maybe even sit at the host seat, which means I'm paying the bill. <laughs> but then as I learned, I would never sit down before, before the host told me, you sit here, you sit here. And because I was a foreigner, a lot of time I got to sit in the, because it's just the Chinese hospitality. Whoever comes from the father's place is the honored guest, and they'd, they'd sit you right there. So that, that speaks to me, and that warns me to be humble and not assume I'm supposed to sit here. But it also, you could see the wisdom in, in dealing um, for, the, for the leadership of Israel to deal with, deal with uh, these kind of situations. So um, we, see, we see some evidence that Proverbs, the purpose of Proverbs was for training up leadership, right? Uh, it's interesting to know that Solomon had, get, had asked for wisdom to govern Israel. And you can see some of that coming out in the Proverbs um, in that way. I think it comes out in every way. But um, I would like somebody else to look at some more evidence where you could see Proverbs were also written for everybody. For, for all people. Um, if you look, if someone could read for me Ecclesiastes chapter 12. And we're going to, I would like someone to read verses 9 and 10. Wait a minute. I'm in the wrong book. Okay, thank you, Alanto. Yeah, so you see um, in Ecclesiastes, which was also written by Solomon, and he calls himself the teacher, it says he also taught the people knowledge. And how did he teach the people knowledge? He pondered, he searched out, and arranged many proverbs. So we could see that the proverbs were not just for the training of leadership, but also for everybody, all the people. Um, And we could, see, we could see that when we read Proverbs, that they speak to all aspects of life. They speak to your character, your work ethic, friendships, relationships, marriage, children, how to raise children. They speak to our desires, our habits, our sins, and you can go on. The Proverbs have so much. Um, and the Proverbs speak to the whole person. Um, and the Proverbs give us wisdom for life. Now, in this situation, because we're, we're trying to, what I'm trying to do right now is kind of look at 
why, why Proverbs was written when it was written. Um, why, why do you think that, Pro, that Solomon would want to teach people about all aspects of life? Yeah, and I think he said that. That's what he, yeah. Yeah, that is true. Um, and that kind of goes along with Dave, Dave said. He knew he wouldn't live forever, and he wanted to pass it down to others. Um, also, if, if he only wanted to train leadership, and he only had proverbs about leading the country and delegations and stuff like that, um, that doesn't, how do I say, we're not just, we're not only what we do. Like our, we are not just our job. So speaking to the whole person is wise. And also he was speaking to all the people. He wasn't, he wasn't teaching just, just the leadership. Um, and another thing I wanted to, to mention that a nation is made up of people, families, right? It's not just, just the leadership. There's people and families in the, in the nation. And Israel was God's nation. And God, in, back in that time, God was known through Israel. So his name was, was honored and glorified through the, the people of Israel. So if they, the way they lived and if they were wise, that would be honoring and glorifying to God. There's a, I didn't write the scripture down, but there's, there's the queen of Sheba when she comes from Sheba. <laughs> when she comes from Sheba to go see, because uh, she heard about Solomon. And then she says, they didn't, I think she says, they didn't tell me half because she sees how everything is working so well and how well he's govern, governed it. Um, Isaiah 43, 7 says, Everyone who is called by my name, in whom I have created for my glory, whom I have formed, even who I have made. So Israel was, was a nation that was chosen by God to glorify himself. So what I want to move into now is the relevance to us. Is that relevant to us? So if Proverbs helped the people of Israel be wise to be honoring to God and they were God's people, I think it's easy to see that this is relevant to us. Um, be, and especially because Proverbs don't only speak to leadership. We will have, I don't know if we have any leaders in this room. In different levels, we do have leaders in this room. Um, but Proverbs speak to the common people, so the, the wisdom that it does is, is immediately relevant to us. Um, so a question that I have, it's almost a rhetorical question, are we not God's people, right? Israel was God's people, God's nation, and now we are God's people. Are we not to live wisely? 
right? So you can see the relevance. Ephesians 5.15, Paul is warning the Ephesians not to be deceived, and he exhorts them. Therefore, be careful how you walk. And the funny thing is, Prabhupada is always talking about how you walk, how you live. Be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise. And then um, this is a verse most people have memorized, so I won't have you go there. 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. This is exactly what Proverbs do, right? Proverbs teach, they reproof, they correct, they train. So it reminds you of some of the words that Brandon read in the beginning of chapter one, the wisdom that, that we receive. Um, so more into the re- relevance for us, Proverbs, how it's relevant to us. There's one theme that I find that from reading it over and over again is a contrast between wisdom and folly. You see that. Um, Solomon's always using different devices to compare and contrast. And when you contrast things, it makes it clear. It gives, it gives discernment. And I love Proverbs. I love that it does that. Um, so we, we receive discernment. A small example of some contrast, and I could pick almost any, not anywhere, most places in Proverbs I chose uh, chapter 10, verses 4 and 5. It says, Poor is he who works with a negligent hand, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. There's a contrast, right? Next verse. He who gathers in summer is a son who acts wisely, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who acts shamefully. And you see the contrast, and it's teaching us, it's instructing us. Um, one of my favorite chapters, and Doug's going to correct me on that, because I say it, we do Proverbs uh, on Wednesday nights before prayer, and I always said, like, oh, this, this chapter was the best chapter. So I always say that. But this one really is, I think, one of my favorite chapters is Proverbs chapter 9, and it's actually the chapter that Chris Levitt, when he taught on Proverbs, he did an excellent job. If you have time, I would listen to it again. I've I've listened to some of some of it again after studying more Proverbs myself, and like wow, he did a really good job of not only um, collecting all the truth, but preaching it well. He did a really good job. So if you can listen to Chris's um, sermon from year more than a year ago on Proverbs nine, I, I really recommend that. But it's on this chapter, and I, I'm not going in depth on that. If you want to go in depth, I listen to Chris's. But I love this chapter not only for the message, but the creative way that it's written. Um, uh-oh. Sorry. I don't know how I got that piled up wrong. So in chapter 9, I mean, you can go there if you want. I wasn't planning on reading the whole chapter but it's handy to have. So in chapter nine, I really love how he personifies wisdom. 
and you have the lady wisdom and the woman folly. And I love, and you can see the characteristics. You can learn just by the way he describes them, the, the different kind of people they are. But in this, um, one thing I think is important to learn is they're both calling out for people. Um, both call up out to us. Uh, one author, I don't know if I have a commentary by Wiersbe. He says, wisdom and folly each want control of our lives. And we must make the choice. So when we have both wisdom and folly calling out to us, and it's true, you turn on a TV, you listen to a radio, you talk to somebody, there's always, there's always temptation to trust something that's not true. Um, so in that case, do we need a discernment, right? We need to be able to discern what is wise and what is foolish. So this is a huge reason why I think it's beneficial for us to be in Proverbs often. Um, the reality is that every day we're, we face choices constantly, right? And we need wisdom and we need discernment to make right choices. One thing that Proverbs does is that Chris had mentioned the, the proverb, and it's mentioned, I don't know, I don't have a number, it's mentioned all over Proverbs, the fear of God, right? The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And in the fear of God, we need to acknowledge God, we need to acknowledge his authority, and we need to acknowledge his wisdom and what is right and what is wrong, right? Not our own wisdom. And we need to have a willingness to choose that, to choose what God says is right and wrong. Because you're going to have people will say, oh, that's not a lie, or that's, they're going to be fighting against that. They're going to, they're going to, what would you say? Deny what God says as not being true. Um, Wiersbe also says, Biblical wisdom begins with a right relationship with the Lord. He's speaking of the fear of God. The wise person believes that there is a God. That's a start, right? And that he is the creator and ruler of all things. And that he has put within his creation a divine order that if obeyed leads ultimately to success. Now, that, with that said, I think there's a temptation for moralism. So I wanted to kind of have like a side note. Not, don't go that way. We're not learning the Proverbs to, to learn to be good enough to save ourselves. So we're learning the Proverbs to be wise and to be holy as God's people who are saved by the blood of Christ. So we don't want to get that out of order. Um, so Solomon, in the first nine chapters of Proverbs, he's basically just trying to convince or exhort the reader to fear God and accept God's wisdom, his value. So to seek it, too, and to value it above money. That's a huge temptation in life. And he says often, it's more precious than silver. It's more precious than gold. And I think back to those leaders. Those leaders are probably, that's a huge temptation. They have power. There's chance of corruption. 
But that's that the temptation of money is in all of our lives. If we want to cut corner, if we want to cheat something, that's a temptation. So it applies to us. It's relevant to us. Um, so speak going back to chapter nine um, with the per- personification of lady wisdom in the woman folly. I think it's really interesting and it's a good warning that even if we've chosen wisdom today, we need to be continually reminded to choose wisdom again. Because the woman folly in verse 15 is still calling out to us. She says that she is calling to those who pass by who are making their path straight. So those that are making their path straight. So you've chosen the right path, but folly's still calling out to you. So we still have that, that risk. So the temptation to the, take the path of sin is a constant battle. So the habit of being in Proverbs to be warned and to be able to recall them, I think is a huge benefit to us. We're in the age of science and progress, and there's constant influences, agendas. There's schemes, people in life that might have schemes, and it's so easy to be tangled up in any of that. Um, so, oh, this is good timing. Praise God. Um, I wanted to finish off with two things. So the, a habit that was taught to me, um, maybe even before I, I trusted in Christ, I was just told, you got to read Proverbs, you got to read Proverbs. And then the missionary that had, had shared the gospel with me, he would read Proverbs every day. And the way he would do it, you've probably all heard of this. There's 31 of them. There's 28 to 31 days in a month. So you can read a proverb a day. Today's the 28th. Today would be a good day to read because it just gives you a place to do it. Um, So we're at the end of the month. And next Thursday is April Fool's Day. So what better of a day to start reading wisdom day by day than April Fool's Day? Um, yeah, so that's my challenge to you. And I hope that, um, you do take that challenge and that we can be discussing Proverbs and that you'll be able to recall them, that they'll instruct you and that you could also share them with others because we need to be also building each other up.